again. My name's Matt. For those of you who I haven't met, it is uh, great to be with you this morning. We are continuing in our series through the book of Colossians. So if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians 3, verse 5, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, if you were here with us last week, uh, Stacy Ratcliffe was here and he was sharing an encouraging message with us uh, on exercising the authority that we have in Jesus. Um, but in the weeks leading up to that, that wasn't from the book of Colossians, but in the weeks leading up to that, we had been working our way verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And uh, Paul was celebrating, really in the first half of the book, uh, Paul is celebrating uh, the radical grace of God. That God has come to us, that he uh, made us alive when we were dead, that in Christ uh, we've been made righteous as a gift that he gives to us, that we've been set free, uh, adopted into the family of God. He says, you are holy now. You've been made holy uh, by Jesus as a result of being in him. Your old self has actually been uh, put off, Paul will say this morning, but has died, has been put to death uh, with Jesus, and you've now been raised to him. Right, right here, right now, in this uh, life, in a sense, you've already been raised to new life with Jesus. Though, of course, we haven't been uh, resurrected yet in the true and, and full sense. Um, but your old self has died. You're a new creation. You have new life in Jesus. And one of Paul's favorite phrases uh, for a Christian is someone who's in Christ. Uh, you are in Christ, Paul likes to say. And because you're in Christ, what's true of Jesus uh, actually then becomes true of you. Uh, his, his righteousness is now uh, your righteousness. Uh, and because you're a new creation, uh, you're no longer bound to the power of sin, which is incredible news. It's not simply that you're forgiven, as radical as that is. Uh, it's actually more than forgiveness. Uh, you've been given the righteousness of Christ, and you're freed from sin's power. The scriptures say that humanity is laboring under the power of Satan's sin and death. We're enslaved to those forces until we come to Jesus. He actually sets us free. Uh, we become something different. So you're no longer under the power of sin. You're no longer under the law, Paul says. The law has nothing to say to you now. Um, you're freed from the law. You're freed from sin's power. Uh, that power has been broken. Uh, and, and because you uh, are, are you're, and you're freed from sin's power because you're in Christ, because you are a new creation. Uh, but often in Paul's letters, as he's unpacking how radical the grace of God is, uh, it begs this question that he'll often pose in his letters. So he'll kind of unpack all the things I was just unpacking, and then he'll say, well, what then? Uh, shall we go on sinning? Shall we go on sinning then? Like, like if God is really uh, happy with this uh, arrangement, if he's happy to declare us righteous, to make us holy, uh, then does it really matter if we sin or not? Why not continue in sin if the grace of God is as radical as you see? If we really are that free, if we're free from the law, if we're free from condemnation, if we're declared righteous before the Father, regardless of what we do, we're righteous in Christ, uh, then why not continue to sin? And of course, Paul's answer is a resounding no. We should not continue 
in that life. He says, you've been freed from sin's power. How can you live in it any longer? If God's really done that radical uh, freeing work, how can you continue to live there? It doesn't make sense. Paul says, you, you've died to that stuff. You've already been raised to a greater life than what you had when you were living in sin. Uh, and, and as a result of what's happened, as a result of being raised to life, uh, freed from sin's power, in light of who you are now, that old sinful life doesn't make sense anymore. It, it doesn't fit. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up with that line of thinking in Colossians 3, verse 5. In these verses just preceding the start of the chapter, Paul says, you've died, your old self is dead, uh, your new life is hidden away in Christ, you've been raised to new life, so, and then this is verse 5, so put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these words uh, written <clears throat> thousands of years ago. Uh, but as relevant to our lives today as anything else. In fact, I'm, I would argue it's more relevant uh, than what we absorb on Twitter or the nightly news or whatever it is we think we need to be up to date on. Uh, Lord, this is, this is a, a hyper-relevant word that, that is for us uh, right here, right now, this morning. And as we prayed earlier, Lord, would you uh, just wake us up to the reality of who we are in you, uh, to the way the spiritual life works. Uh, we're so easy to slip into uh, false assumptions about how we're to relate to uh, morality or the law or to you, God, um, through those things. Would you uh, bring us back? Would you recalibrate us uh, as to how we are to conceive of uh, the spiritual life, of our place uh, in your universe, in your family, in your kingdom? Uh, God, may we find ourselves uh, accurately located in your story and living out of what's true. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever the Bible tells us to do something, we have a horrible habit of slipping into legalism. We hear a command from Jesus or Paul or, or anywhere in Scripture, really, uh, and then we, we tend to slip into this sort of 
uh, religious way of thinking that relates to God through rules. Uh, we tend to think, though we may not say this out loud, but we kind of have this attitude that God is in heaven. Uh, he's very far off. Um, he, he's uh, somewhat grumpy, but he still forgives me when I sin, even though what he really wants of me is to live up to his moral code, uh, to his moral standard. If I can do that, uh, then I'll have a higher status. I'll be more accepted by God. I'll be more loved. And that whole um, system, that whole way of thinking uh, is prevalent in many of the world religions uh, and sneaks its way into Christianity as well. Oftentimes we think that's what it is. What is church? What is the spiritual life? What is this all about? Well, surely it's about relating to God through a moral code. It appeals to something in us, some broken part of us that loves religion, that loves religiosity. Uh, and, and so we slip into that way of thinking. Uh, but notice how foreign that is to the message of Scripture. In fact, uh, in Paul's letters, he usually spends the first half of his letter talking about who God is and what God has done, uh, and then by implication, what that means for us, who you are now in Jesus. Uh, here's who Jesus is. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what he's done. Here's what he's done. Here's who you are now in him. Um, and he usually does that for several chapters before he even begins to tackle how we ought to live in our day-to-day -day lives. He never starts his letter and says, Dear church in Rome, be kind to one another. Do this, do that, do this other thing. Never. It always starts with a compelling, stunning, almost difficult to grasp version uh, of who God is, of what he's about, of what he's accomplished in us. And then he rounds the corner. And we're reaching that place in Colossians. As we jump into chapter 3, we're turning the corner into the second half of the letter. And so we're going to begin to encounter those things. But because we only look at a few verses at a time each Sunday, we have to keep it in its full context. We, we have to see it in light of the entire letter. We have to remember Paul's rationale for why we ought to live a certain way. Because it always relates back to your identity. It always relates back to the radical grace of God and who he's made us to be. And this passage is a classic example. Uh, certain things are already true of you if you've given your life to Jesus. You, you've been brought from death to life. You've been made righteous. Your old self has died. You are a new creation. Dearly loved, Paul said, treasured by God. And as a result, the old stuff doesn't make sense anymore. In the verses we read this morning, he says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now... That's, that's, that's old stuff. Now things are different. Now something has shifted within you. Now you go and live in line with who you already are, with who Christ has made you to be. Uh, or said another way, if you are a new creation, then you wear new creation clothes. The core of who you are, your identity uh, has shifted, changed, transformed in the power of the Holy Spirit. You were reborn. 
And now you wear clothes that are in line with your identity. In a sense, he's saying wear clothes that make sense with who you are. You wouldn't wear a tuxedo to go play pickup soccer. Uh, nor would you wear your gym clothes if you were invited to dinner at the White House, right? Like those things just wouldn't make sense. That would be, that would be awkward. You would feel very uh, out of place. It's ill-fitting. And, and Paul's saying in a sense, uh, in the same way, new creation people shouldn't wear old creation clothes. They're, they're, they're ill-fitting. They don't line up with who you are. It's it's awkward. It doesn't make sense. So Paul can say in the verses we read this morning, do not lie to each other. This is, we read this this morning. Do not lie to each other. And this by itself, ripped out of context, uh, it can send us right back to Mount Sinai if we let it. We just say, hey, I'm going to ignore the rest of the stuff. I'm going to grab this verse. I'm going to run with it. Uh, we can go Old Covenant, right? And, and we can say, uh, yeah, you shall not lie. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. All right, I've got it. These are the things that God demands of me. Uh, I'm, I'm now going to go. I understand the rules. I'm going to go out into the world. I'm going to live under those rules. And I'm going to do my best to perform for God. But Paul says, no, 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 don't slip back into that trap. He actually refers to living under the law as bondage. He says, no, 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 Jesus died actually. That's one of the things he died to free you from was that bondage you were living in under the law. Don't go back to that yoke of slavery, to, to use Paul's words. He says, you're not a slave anymore. You're, you're a son. You're, you're, you're a daughter. You're not under the law. Here's the reasoning behind it. This is the second half of the verse. He says, do not lie to each other since or because you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. It's not that life with God rises or falls uh, on, on how many lies you tell. It doesn't. You're not under the law. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. You're righteous. You're free. But it doesn't make sense anymore, Paul's saying. You need to take off the old. You need to set that aside. You dress yourself in the new. That will be much more fitting for you. That will make a lot more sense. And notice that paradoxically, as Paul is writing uh, about these topics, he'll use the past tense and the present tense and, and kind of switch back and forth between them. These are past tense realities and they are present tense realities. He says, you have died. That's a past tense. You were crucified with Jesus. Your flesh was put to death. That's all past tense. That's done. And yet, paradoxically, there's a call in our lives day to day to put off the old to put uh, the flesh to death. In the, in the verses we read this morning, Paul, Paul wrote, he says, put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature. So it's both a, a past tense reality, it has died, and, and yet there's this ongoing call, present command to put to death. Your old self has been put off, 
cut out, done away with, Paul says, and yet the call is, is, to, put, is to take off the old, is, is to set aside your old clothes. He says you, you are a new creation. That's done. That's a done deal. And yet when you wake up in the morning, you and I get to choose to sort of put on new creation clothes, if that makes sense. The core of us isn't going to change regardless of what we're wearing, but he's saying put on stuff that makes sense with the core of who you are. You had, you once were an old creation. It was very natural to wear old creation clothes. And in this passage, he says, your old creation clothes included, this, is, this isn't exhaustive, but he says they included sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, uh, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Saying, hey, you used to wear all that stuff and just kind of flaunt it. You didn't even really care. You're just like, no, this is, what, this is, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And, and wearing those clothes, it's ill-fitting before God because he's holy. So to try and come into his presence when we're wrapped in that stuff is, as an old creation is, is, is impossible. It's ill-fitting before the Lord, but it wasn't ill-fitting for you in your old creation self. It actually fit very well. It was very comfortable. It did not cause any irritation on your skin, if we want to keep using that analogy. So no, I wore that, and it felt very comfortable to me. Uh, it didn't bother us to wear those clothes. It felt very natural. It didn't bother us like it should have, because we were old creation people wearing old creation clothes. We were dressed in, in filthy rags, but, but it, it felt right in the moment. It just kind of flowed with who we were. Uh, and, and then for many of us, our, our story is that something in us began to cry out. We, we, we no longer wanted to be old creation people wearing old creation clothes. We, we became tired of that, worn out by that type of slavery. Uh, and perhaps some of us through that process uh, even tried putting on the new clothes that Paul's talking about. We say, okay, well, I don't like the old creation clothes, and society says nothing's wrong with my heart, so I think I can just go now and try and put on the new creation clothes. Uh, but if you look throughout human history, that never works. It never works for old creation people to try and put on new creation clothes. Again, it's almost awkward. It's ill-fitting. So you can go and try and dress yourself in all of the things of God, but if your heart hasn't been reborn in the kingdom, it doesn't stick. It, it, we, we end up reverting back. We, say, we wear it for a couple weeks and we say, you know what? I actually like my old creation clothes better. That's actually more comfortable. I'm, I'm going to go back to that. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, there's an old phrase that says, you can, you can put makeup on a pig, but, it, but it's still a pig. Right? It's, that, it's that sort of imagery. Like, yeah, you can, you can try and put on new creation clothes. You can fool yourself and maybe even the people around you, but it doesn't really work. Instead, the message of the kingdom was, no, 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 you, you have to be reborn. You have to become new creations. And, and new creations are, are no longer pigs, to use that to use that analogy. You're no longer an old creation. You're no longer 
a, a, a pig trying to dress yourself up. You're no longer enslaved to sin. You, you've, we've actually been freed from sin's power. And the scriptures say once you're a new creation, you're actually a slave of righteousness. Which is a really interesting phrase. In my mind, it's almost this humorous way of saying that's, that's who you are now. That's what you, but you belong to God. You belong to righteousness. The natural inclination of your heart is now that way. The thing that you have in you is the righteousness of Jesus, and the thing that you long to put on and wear is more righteousness. We desire righteousness. We love wearing our new clothes because we're new creations. So you are righteous uh, as a gift from Jesus the moment you give your life to him, but now it makes sense to wear a different set of clothes that resonates, that that matches the righteousness you've been given, that's in line with your identity. Uh, That's very fitting. It makes sense. It feels right. Uh, The old stuff doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, Verse 12 this morning, Paul says, "Therefore, Therefore, in light of everything else that I've been telling you about, as God's chosen people, uh, holy and dearly loved. Notice how he starts with identity. So we, I, I skip over this stuff. I'm like, okay, skip that, skip that, skip that. What am I supposed to do today? What should I be striving after? He says, no, no, no. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Like you, you see the identity piece. You can't breeze past that. This is who you are every day, whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, whether you're having a good day or you're having a bad day. It doesn't matter. This this still describes you. You are still one of his chosen people. You are still holy and dearly loved. That's the unchanging core of who you are in Jesus. And so he's saying you you start with that. You are holy already right now today. You are dearly loved. Now, in response to all of that, Paul goes on and says, clothe yourselves with, as people who hold that identity, clothe yourselves with a new set of clothes, something else that makes sense with who you are, something that's more fitting. And then he describes that. This is what will be fitting for you now because of who you are. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If, if any of you have offended each other, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, and over all of these virtues, as, as sort of the, the jacket, the coat, the crescendo, put on love. Say, put that on over everything. Put it on. Wear it. It's yours. And, and that will bind everything together. That will tie the whole outfit together. Put that on. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, love. And he says, wow, now that's fitting. That, that makes sense. That fits with who you are. You wear a tux to the White House. You wear gym clothes to the gym. You wear new creation clothes if you're a new creation. It's just, it's just a natural thing to do. In fact, this, this point was driven home very clearly to me, uh, very early on in my walk when I was a new Christian. I was atheist until I was 19 or 20 years old. I was in college over in Seattle, gave my life to Jesus, 
uh, and, and things began changing very radically. Uh, but early on in the beginning, all I really knew is like Jesus is back from the dead. He forgives me for my sin and I've given my life to him. So I have hope. I have hope in eternal life. And that was about all I knew. It was just very early. I didn't own a Bible. I didn't really, you know, I, I just didn't have, I didn't know a lot of what this, what this life was about, what the spiritual life was about following after Jesus. Um, and, and it was during that time in those early days that I had this vision. And it was years ago, so I honestly can't even remember if I was awake or if I was sleeping. If it was like more of like a, a daydream vision from the Lord or if I was actually asleep and had a dream, I can't remember. But in this vision, uh, I was sort of a medieval scene. I was a peasant uh, working out in the fields. And someone came to me and invited me and said, hey, the king wants you to come you know, up to this palace. You're invited to come and meet with him in the palace. And I was like, oh, right, you know, right now? Yeah, come right now. So I kind of dropped what I was doing and came up uh, into this palace. And as I came into the palace and, and entered it, I realized, oh my gosh, there's this like royal banquet that's happening right now. Um, and, and somehow I like scored an invitation to this banquet. And there was this, if you can imagine, like an impossibly long sort of royal banquet table uh, loaded with all of this good stuff, and there's all these people there just enjoying it, and and so I'm thinking, oh, I'm here, but I'm you know I'm gonna stand in the back, and some and one of the you know royal servants or ushers comes and says, no no no, you have a seat, you you have a seat here at the table, come come. I thought, oh my gosh, I not only did they invite me, but I have a seat at this incredible table with all of this good stuff, and so uh, I came and sat down at the table, and and no sooner had I sat down and started looking around. Uh, all of a sudden, I realized that I was wearing these like filthy rags. Uh, and I hadn't noticed before I, because it was very natural in, in the environment that I had started in. But all of a sudden, I was seated at this table and everybody around me had sort of these flowing, rich, royal, you know, banquet clothes on. And, and all of a sudden, it was brought home. Oh my gosh, there's like holes in my clothes and mud and rags. And, and you know that feeling, sort of that embarrassment <laughs> the flushing of red in your cheeks and like, oh my gosh, I feel very uncomfortable right now. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I feel very out of place. And it was in that moment that one of those sort of uh, royal attendants or ushers came to me and said, hey, actually we have clothes for you. We have new clothes, like come with me. And, and I was totally shocked, but also very grateful because I was so embarrassed in, in that moment. And they kind of brought me, there's this room right off the banquet hall and they brought me in and said, hey, here, here's, here's your new clothes. And it was the same that the other guests were wearing. These rich, royal, flowing, a new robe, all of this stuff uh, was in there. Um, and, and I was just stunned. And I remember just like throwing my old like rags and stuff aside and being like, oh my gosh, I'm done with that. That doesn't make any, I don't want that here. It doesn't make any sense here. And then clothing myself in this new stuff and it just felt amazing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, this, this fits perfectly this is what I was meant to wear. Like, this, this is incredible. And, and then I came back into the dining hall and sat down and was like, oh my God, I'm at home. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be wearing. Uh, and then I remember this last sort of part of the, of the vision of the dream was that uh, the king, I looked up and, and the king wasn't at his, at his throne or his seat at the head of the banquet table. He was then coming around the table and greeting the guests and saying hi and making sure, you know, they have 
what they need and just sort of blessing them and being with them. And he was coming down the line and, and my heart was beating faster because here he was coming, but I wasn't embarrassed anymore. I was like, I'm, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to stand before the king. I'm ready to receive him. And, and he kept coming around and it was sort of the, sort of the vibe if you've ever been to a, a wedding where uh, when the meal's getting going, like the, the bride and groom get up from their place of honor and they come around and say hi to everybody at the tables, if you've ever had that happen. And it's like kind of exciting because like, oh man, all the energy and focus is on them and here they come, they're coming to our table and our table's gonna you know, light up and, and there's gonna be this extra joy and excitement here. But at the same time, there's this like element of humility of like, oh my gosh, the day is all about, you know, you guys and this covenant and Jesus and everything that's going on, and yet you're coming to, to us to like honor us as sort of the, the wedding peasants, if you will, you know, who are just kind of here. Uh, and it was that same vibe. It was like, no, Jesus, we're here for you. Like, you're the king. We're here to honor you. And yet here he was making sure that everyone had these clothes and this place at the table and serving and blessing as he came around. Uh, and, and that's it. Like, that's, that's who God is. That, that's what he was like. But within that image very early on, I didn't have the scriptures. I hadn't read any parables. I didn't know about these, these verses in Colossians. But it was just this vivid way of God driving home to me. No, you, you, throw, you throw off that old stuff. You, you're, you're, not, you're not meant to be wearing that anymore. It's kind of what Paul's describing here in Colossians. He, he says, you've been raised to new life. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a peasant. You're, you, before, you were laboring out under the fields, under Satan's sin and death, and you were made filthy in the process. But that, that's not who you are anymore. You, you've been released from that. You've been given a place at the table. This is, you've, been, you've been given new clothes to wear adopted into a new family. You've been washed clean. You've been reborn. So what do we do in response to who God is, to where we find ourselves spiritually at this banquet table? Like, how do, how do we respond? We, we go, we put on the new clothes. He says, no, this, this will be more fitting for you. You still have a place at the table. That's how shocking the grace of God is. If you want to wear your filthy rags, you still have a place in the family. You still have a place at the table. That doesn't change. He's not going to revoke that. You're not kicked. You can't be, you can't be kicked out. But you, we have to choose. Well, how, what do I want to wear? What do I want to clothe myself in as I participate in the kingdom of God, as I meet with Jesus? Our response is to put on new creation clothes. Not because we're afraid of being kicked out of the family or losing our spot. Regardless of what you wear today, you have a spot there. You're not going to lose that. Your place is secure, but we get to choose each day. We get to choose how to dress ourselves. Will we put on the beautiful things that God has made available for us or, or will we reach back to the, to the old stuff that we, out of habit almost, we say, ah, oh, I used to wear that stuff. I remember how natural it felt. Will we reach back for the old dead stuff that we were wearing before when we were slaves? Paul says, the choice is yours. You've been set free. That stuff doesn't have power over you anymore. 
I cannot command you to wear those things. So we get to choose now. In our new creationist, we get to wake up each day, each hour, we get to choose what am I going to wear. Let's pray. And, and actually, as we're, oh, the worship, yeah, you guys can come back up. Um, actually, as we're praying this morning, uh, rather than me praying words out loud, which is, is meaningful and, and, and powerful, I just want to create uh, some space here for a moment for us to just reflect. Uh, if you're a journaler, you can journal. Uh, if not, you can sit, you can listen, you can, you can ponder, you can reflect. But I want, us, I want to allow God space to sort of speak to each one of us in terms of where we're at with the things that Paul is talking about. Uh, remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not at risk of being kicked out of the family. We won't lose our spot at the table. Uh, but sometimes we can't see until we're, we're, we're in with the other guests. Sometimes we can't even see the stuff that we're wearing or carrying that, that's just ill-fitting, that we're not supposed to carry. So, so as we come before the Lord this morning, we're just going to take some time, and I want us to ask these two questions. Uh, the first is, Lord, am I wearing anything that's ill-fitting? Like, I can't always see myself. I don't have a perfect spiritual mirror. Lord, you can see me. You can see the depths of my heart. Like, would you, would you just whisper to me this morning? Would you uh, highlight anything that I'm wearing that's just ill-fitting, that just doesn't make sense with who you've made me to be as a son or a daughter? These were examples from this passage, but lust, greed, impurity, anger, rage, malice, all of this stuff. Lord, is there anything that's just out of line with who I am in you that I ought to just kind of set aside or put off this morning? So that's the first question. We invite God to come and reveal things to us that we can't see. And then the second question, after that, we move on and we say, Lord, what would you have me put on instead? Maybe there's just one or two things, maybe just one thing that this week he would have you think about, ponder, focus on, and just say, hey, you know what? As my beloved son or daughter, what, what I want you to do is just practice setting aside filthy language or whatever it is. Like, that, that doesn't really fit with who you are now. Practice setting that aside this week and, and just put on compassion. Maybe he'll just give you one word off the list that'll highlight. Just say, I want you to think about compassion this week. So when we wake up in the morning, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm a new creation. Thank you that I'm, that I'm righteous already. I haven't even lifted a finger, but I'm just righteous in you. And Lord, in the power of the Spirit, I, I just want to put on compassion this morning. That would make sense with who I am. Let's just, just see what he, what he highlights through that. So I'll say a quick prayer for us, and then we'll ask him to come and, and just speak and whisper, and you write, journal, pray, do whatever uh, works best for you. But Yeah, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, Lord. Uh, and in a sense, we're gathered here this morning because we want to be more free today than we were yesterday. Uh, we want to be more like you today than we, than we were yesterday. Uh, and, and so often we get mixed up in this sort of a grid lens of just of morality, thinking, oh, Jesus is holy and he's grumpy, but he wants me to be holy. And God, would you just sweep that aside this morning? And would we catch a vision of you as, as the most free person who ever lived? as the ultimate human who just 
operated in just pure joy and freedom and power in the kingdom of God. Lord, that's what we want. We, we want to become like you. We want to be free like you're free. We want to be full of joy like you're full of joy. We want to be, just operate in that and offer it to other people. But we, we can't even always see, Lord, what's, what's at work within us and what it is you want us to put on and, and put off. So would you come now, Holy Spirit? Would you whisper in your gentle, intimate way? Would you begin highlighting for each one? Because it's different for each of us. Would you highlight for each one what it is we ought to be putting off in this season and what it is that we ought to be putting on. Uh, we wait for you now uh, with expectation. Lord, would you come? Would you guide us in your way of life? In Jesus' name, amen.